millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yes, hello and welcome to At The Movies. I am Bob Old Person and joining me is... Bob Other Old Person. <laughs> uh, Bob Old Person, uh, we've been to the movies lately. We've seen Venom 2, Carnage Venom. Uh, that movie, absolute rubbish, absolute toss. I'm so bad, so bad. The highest form of trash. Uh, uh, my eyes uh, falling out of my head. I tell you what, the real Carnage was me in the bathroom after the movie because the movie <laughs> made me just feel so bad. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was terrible. They used modern effects and CGI. Unbelievable. Uh, no, oh, another new movie we saw is Halloween Kills. I tell you what, the violence was just ungodly. So much sex and violence. I tell you what, my eyes were burning. Oh, absolutely. I felt my eyeballs go into oh, my just... stomach and dissolve in my acidy mouth. Complete trash. I tell you what, complete trash. We went and saw the new Dune. I tell you what, so much CGI. Absolute Toss, absolute rubbish. I mean, what even is space? I don't understand. We're going to cut to our reporter in the field, Bob Old Person. Bob Old Person, <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh, nothing, nothing good has <laughs> happened. Uh, nothing at all has been coming out. Uh, I mean, uh, there's we've got the new, new James Bond movie. With James Bond number three hundred and forty-five in the series, <laughs> oh, yes. you'd think by now you'd realize that you can probably retire. Mm. Uh, uh, no time to die. Well, I had plenty in the movie. <laughs> uh, I, 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 t- I, t- I tell you what, I do agree. More like double O O O is the score I gave it. Oh, 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 that was a good one. Bob Old Person. Malignant. That's the tumour that I grew watching that movie. Oh, what malignant, so much blood. Uh, it, was trying to, it was trying to be inspired by a gender. I'll tell you what, it was more inspired by a piece of poo. Whoa. <laughs> ah, toilet humour. I love a good bit of toilet humour. I did really like the Adam Driver musical, though. Oh, yes, that was good. Annette, that, that was, was um, Oh, yes, yep. There's so many bad new movies. We're going to talk about an old movie instead. We're going to talk about Wings of Desire. Mm. Oh, yes. Ah, classic, classic, classic. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Very good, very good. I don't really have a punchline for this bit, so... <laughs> well, as long as the punchline isn't that we think that only films from 1987 are good and no new films have come what? out. Of course it is! <laughs> because there have been some good new films that have come out recently. Ah! So that's just... This is just a bit. I do want to say I really enjoyed Malignant. I thought it was great, and I'm very excited for Dune, and uh, fuck Venom 2. Anyway... Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! What's wrong with Venom 2? Is, wow! There's a lot wrong with Venom 2. Uh, welcome to Oldie But A Good it's a podcast where we talk about movies from 1987 in the order they came out in and uh, this was the last chance we're probably going to get to do a movie like this for a year so I took it Wings of Desire yeah absolutely my name is Sandro your name is Zach 
Yep. And joining us from across the the city. <laughs> what? <laughs> across the airwaves. I'm probably like smack bang in the middle of you two, I think. Actually, you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Zach's are. like de- in the deep south of Melbourne. I'm yeah, I am. In the deep, deep north and Sandra's in... Don't dox me. What the heck? <laughs> Sorry. And Sandra's in, in uh, at, at northwest. Yes. Well, I say that sounds about the accurate. Yep. <laughs> Now, you came in last episode at something we did not plan, where I just randomly called you up when you were in the middle of work. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't actually in the middle of work. I was having a picnic, but anyway. Oh, wow. And you were like, this is one of my favourite movies of all time, and so we were like, we'll get you on the episode, and here you are. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you taking some time off your scheduled programming uh, to indulge me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, it, we've got to get the old Ben in here, you know? Oh. He's... Old, old Ben. The old Ben? Yeah, the new one sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, the the new one's the TikTok Ben, and he's a little, <laughs> he's a little wild. He's a little crazy. I don't know if we want him on the show. Tell you what it's a, a, something shocking it's the same 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 guy oh what yeah thanks for having me on no <laughs> worries do we let's let's do the alternate options first zach we'll get that mm. out of the way yeah and then we'll do first impressions because what were the other choices that i could have picked so uh you had a couple of other choices you had uh fatal beauty uh which was a, a Whoopi goldberg comedy so that could have been good uh, where she has to go undercover in various costumes. Mm. <laughs> the other one was The Hidden. Carl <laughs> McLaughlin has to stop an alien parasite that is turning people into serial killers. Yeah, look, I think probably The Hidden would be the other option there, but um, mm. we kind of know what we're doing next year. We're planning a little bit far ahead, and we're, mm. we're not going to get a chance to do a movie like this for probably over a year. So I was like, I'll go for it. <laughs> When you say a movie like this, please elaborate. What do you mean? I mean a smart movie. (laughs) (laughs) A smart movie. (laughs) That uses its brain Uh to produce things that involve you having feelings Mm. for a movie. (laughs) A movie that is not just a movie, it's also an art piece. Yes. You know what I mean? Whereas the movies we might be doing in the future lack (laughs) such, such Mm -hmm. things. Okay. Well, thank you for thank you for clarifying. They will have CGI though, so that's gonna be great. <laughs> we'll reveal what we're doing next year, probably next month. But I'm a uh, mm. I'm excited. Well, am I? I'm I'm not, I'm not excited. Uh, it'll be interesting. What do you mean you're planning for next year? I thought you picked them the week before. What? Whoa, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But we're. We're, we're not picking the movies, we're just picking the year. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, okay. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. We would never pick the movies beforehand. We would <laughs> never, not ever done that. Not once. No, not we once. would never be like, hey, Ben, if you were to pick one movie from 1987 <laughs> to guest on, yeah. what would it be? And then you would say, for example, hey, maybe this German film called... What um... film are you going to pick in October? <laughs> <laughs> we would never do that. <laughs> well, I, we don't know. We have no idea. Zero clue. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we'll go through some first impressions. Well, you should probably start with Ben, I guess, because Ben is the guest. No, I mean, I, I, I want to hear what you have to say first. Oh, me or Zach? Oh, you can go first. You can go first. All right, all right. I'll go first. This movie looks incredible. I That's the first thing that stood out to me. It looks really good. I love the distinction between black and white and color, depending on... Uh, which beans you're kind of following because of course there's the baked beans and then the fried variety there was no beans in this movie (laughs) 
Uh, and uh, the acting was great. A lot of really good um, visual storytelling and, and the music was really good. It kind of lost me a little bit with the poetic writing. Oh, really? I, there's long sequences where it's like the child was a child or whatever and it just go, went on for ages and the visuals were great and kind of carried me through but I wasn't really paying too much attention to what was being said. Uh, I kind of got the gist of the story and, and then just carried on from there. There's a lot of the poetic writing that I just just kind of lost me and didn't do anything for me, um, unfortunately. But that's just because it's not my thing, I think. Poetic. Not poems. I like poems, but like the poetic style of writing dialogue just isn't really my thing. But I thought this was quite good. Um, how, about you? how about you, Zach? Oh, this movie sucks. What are you talking about? This movie rubbish. Half the time they forgot to put the colour in the scenes. They spoke the wrong language. There weren't any explosions. I don't even know what was happening in this film. No one even died. I don't know why we watched it. No, no, no. It was it was it was actually quite good. I was surprised. Um I'm surprised you didn't like the poetry. I liked the poetry part. That was that was one of the bits I liked. That little poem that they have at the start that sort of comes back. I, I, I quite liked it. Um, it was very long. I was half falling asleep. I just kind of sat and absorbed it. But I feel like that's how you're, how you're supposed to watch it, you know? Yeah. Just absorbing it. And and I certainly was a bit lost in the first half, but I, I quite enjoyed the second half once they had established all the sort of characters. Mm. And then we follow... Um, the main guy. I don't know. Do does he have a name? In the credits, he's listed as Damiel, but I don't know if mm. he's ever called that in the movie. Yeah, I don't think anybody says names really. But um, yeah, following him as he he pops into the real world is very very interesting. I was like, whoa! I was not expecting that. I love how they do that as well with him going from black and white to color. Yeah, that was very cool. That was very cool. Yeah. Um, th thank you for your thoughts. <laughs> um, I think it's really great that you, that you both liked it. I was, I was a little bit uh, worried that maybe you would think that it was boring or that, that you would think that it was, um, somehow not, um, engaging or something, but, um, I'm really, uh, gratified that, that you both found something in it. Yeah. It was yeah, never, yeah, yeah. it was never boring because I think even when it did lose me a bit with, a five minute long poem about like whatever I was still engaged with the visual element and like how it yeah. looked and everything. So there was always something going on that I was like, this is really, really well done. Yeah. It was surprisingly engaging. Like I, I was watching a film, you know, I wasn't distracted or anything, you know, but it was very long. I have to say, I, I, <laughs> well, I mean, it's not actually that long. It's, it's just over two hours. Um, which I feel like is that's, you know, I, two and a half, I would say is verging on long. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Two hours is, is a fair time. It, it's very slow paced. I'll say then. it's, yeah. it's very deliberate. Yeah meditative i i love this film um as we mentioned before it's one of my favorites um mm. of all time yeah it's it's as sandra mentioned it's a it's an incredible film to to look at it's shot really really well um i mean i've never been to berlin and so it's really kind of fascinating to see berlin through a lens like this especially i think it's significant um to note that um this film was was made right like like a couple of years before the uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this this film was made right right before 
um, the Berlin Wall came down, so the Berlin Wall's still there, and it it really kind of captures um, an essence of I don't know that like the last years of uh, uh, an era. Mm, yeah, mm. I I love the poetry of it as well. Um, I found myself drawn in from pretty much the beginning. I read that when they were editing the film, and this this was, I think, a, a decision made in editing. They believed that so much, particularly the way that the film was shot, made it have a quality of being so much like a silent film. Particularly, you know, the way the angels in the film are presences that don't really interact with the humans. Um, so much of it becomes this silent film kind of quality that that they decided to put a lot of uh, of the writing through voiceovers. And that that I think gives it this ethereal quality that that you're you're seeing so much tangible stuff in the city, but the words and the thoughts become outside of it almost. Yeah. Um. I think Vender's work. I've seen quite a lot of his films now, and there's such a real love for humanity and a real kind of earnestness and kind of like earnest vulnerability about his work that I really engage with and connect to. And I think this is maybe one of the best examples of that quality. The actors are all really, they bring this to life. I find it lovely that Peter Falk is in it mm-hmm. as himself. As himself, that was really good. Yeah, yeah, that that took me aback. I was like, oh, hey, <laughs> look at that. That's kind of funny. I, th- I like, we'll probably touch on this later when we kind of go through the film in a bit more detail, but... Yeah, the the fact that he's portrayed as this former angel himself, I think, mm. is, was really really touching. It's good. Um, yeah, that's uh, that was funny. I love that. That was like, oh, I did not expect this at all. <laughs> yeah, especially seen as like we did a movie with him literally three weeks ago. Oh, really? <laughs> the Princess Bride, and now we're like, ah, here he is again. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, see that. I mean, that kind of fits, doesn't it? Because he's in that. He's the you know the grandfather. He narrates the entire story. He yeah. tells the story of the film. In here, it's almost like the same thing. He's almost he plays the heart, in a way, of the film. You know, he's the one who kind of finally drives this decision in the character. That yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, we'll probably touch on later on. Um, I, th- I find the general idea of of what angels do in this was really yeah, yeah that was very cool it's interesting because it's not tied to any religion usually when you get no. you know like an angel related story it's nowadays it's usually like some sort of like ya thing and it's usually tied to a direct religion and this mm. they don't even mm. mention any form of a god or anything yeah i think they they mentioned that they existed before humans yeah that's pretty much it yeah so so it's it, it, it is this kind of real spiritual experience without making some kind of over religious statement um which i also found really um powerful so yeah I, this 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 film really gets me <laughs> yeah yeah i i did like the angels i thought they were a very cool sort of concept mm. i like how a lot of them just congregated at the library <laughs> yeah that was good. Mm-hmm. they just hanged out I, I thought that was great it's one of the best looking libraries i've ever seen as well yeah, that's like that's I think the Berlin State Library or something like that. Mm-hmm. The, I like the fact that most of the angels' activity is like going around and writing, like writing down moments from humanity. Mm-hmm. Is this beautiful almost irony that they don't experience it themselves, which is part of what the film yeah kind of goes through. But but they don't they don't experience; they just observe. But that observation gives them fulfillment. 
I like I like how they're like enthusiastically trading stories about oh this guy tripped over and broke his nose you know <laughs> yeah. or this just experiences yeah 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 but positive negative just yeah human experiences totally yeah yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter if they're good or bad or whatever they're just absolutely experiences. and that's like all of that is is what it means to be human yeah um I, I I the only thing I thought was missing was maybe a darker side of humanity obviously we had that that guy who jumped. Well, look, yes, um, but also I would put forward that this city, this film is set in the city of Berlin against the backdrop yeah. of Nazism. Yeah, that's true. Um, the entire history of the Second World War is infiltrating every frame, I think. Um, the fact that Peter Falk is there to film, uh, film something about, you know, the Nazi era, the fact that we are you know, against the backdrop of the Berlin Wall, against all of these ruins, you know, there's a sequence in the film where this old, old man goes and he's searching for this oh, yeah. th this neighbourhood, which is, it was like once the one of the main neighbourhoods, like imagine going around, uh, going and, and trying to like go to the, I don't even know what the Melbourne <laughs> equipment, mm. I don't know, Times Square. Like imagine trying to go to Times Square and it's rubble. You know, it, it's, I feel like there's so much history and so much of the tragedy of humanity dripping from that film that I think that that's what makes the kind of the love and the positive experiences so much more meaningful in that film. I, I guess it's more that the angels themselves uh, aren't exactly reacting to it. We only see him. So, so yeah. I mean, I liked the scene where he reacted to the guy jumping. Yeah. Because he lets out a no, like, he's actually upset that mm, this yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. you know, jumped. Because we don't see him react to almost anything else, I think, in the entire film, this one. No, angel. not until he becomes human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because otherwise they're just standing there silently observing, but he sure. it lets out a guttural, you know. Oh, I'm sure in the, um, I'm sure in the American remake, there's like an <laughs> evil dark angel who's like, if you oh. turn, I'm going to hunt you. And then Nicolas Cage turns oh, human and then no, this guy's like hunting no. him all over the city or something. <laughs> I'm sure that's, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's that. Now that is a real, wow. So such, such duality. Oh, so meaningful. I quite I I quite like the I don't know universe is the right word the concept of this movie and I'd yep. like to see it explored but well I don't know if the Nick Cage movie is the way I <laughs> well there is a sequel there's a sequel I was gonna say yeah um which we'll probably talk about at the very end because I haven't seen it and I want to <laughs> know what it is mm. yeah I have seen it surprisingly uh, incredible as well ah. I was <laughs> I was so cautious going in I was like. How do you follow up something as brilliant as this? Um, turns out you can. Uh, let's quickly go through some details, then we'll go through some more plot stuff as well. Uh, but this was released on the 29th of October in 1987. That was mm. when it got its wide cinematic release. Uh, it did premiere in May at the Cannes Film Festival, though, and it won Best Director. Mm. That director being, is it Vim Vendors? Yeah, Vim Vendors. Uh, who also wrote and produced the film. He's done heaps of stuff, some docos. Uh, one of my favourite movies from 1984 that we didn't cover was Paris, Texas. He did that as oh, well. Yeah. That was incredible. I love that movie. Yeah. Well, he's, he did a couple of films in between, but a um, couple of documentaries in between that and this, but um, Paris, Texas was uh, his fiction feature that he did before Wings of Desire. And he did co-wrote the, the film with Peter Hanke, uh, who has done heaps of, like, poems and screenplays and stage stuff. Is a, Yeah, he's a, a um, famous jo German novelist who I think 
some con- control. There's some controversy around him, but um, right. he's he's pretty prolific. But for the cast, we do have Bruno Ganz as as the angel. Damiel, uh, he's in the 70s remake of Nosferatu. I think he plays Jonathan Harker in that. Hmm. Uh, he played Hitler in the film Downfall. Oh, yeah, that's where most people will know him from, from the meme. Huh. Yeah. Much like the entire cast of this, he worked pretty much all his life in film. I think he did 60 years of film. He died in 2019. Wow. So, yeah, he's he, he was around for ages. That's crazy. Yeah, he died pretty recently. He, um... Uh, I think one of his last films was um, the Terrence Malick film about the war. It, it, before that, he was in Sal- one of Sally Potter's most recent films. Mm. Um, he was in uh, <laughs> Lars von Trier's The House of Jack Built. Mm. Yeah, he was he was very good when he became a human and was like pointing out colors. It's like, oh, what's that one? What's that color? It's such a such a wonderful because it's like. I mean, yeah, we'll get to it, but it's like he's he's reborn. He's he's a child. Mm, yeah, you know, he he needs to know everything about the world for like a child would. I loved his outfit. It was very doctor esque. I was like, this guy mm. would be a great doctor in this outfit. You know, the hu- the oh, human oh. version of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. The like the suit that he wears. Surprisingly enough, none of the main cast members are alive today. Oh, really? Um, which is quite mm. sad. They've all passed away. But the other angel, Cassiel, is played by Otto Sander, uh, who I know mm. from Das Boot. He's in the 2000s Les Mis miniseries and also the trauma movie Killer Condom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of his more finer works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's good. I like, I like when he was observing... That actor who was once a human. Oh, yes. Peter Falk. That's uh, once an angel, I should say, yeah. When he's observing him, how he's different, he's a bit more standoff, and it's he, like, observes that this guy is trying to convince angels mm. to, you know, become human and feel experiences. That was rather interesting. Yeah, well, the, in the sequel, the sequel follows him deciding to become human. Ah, yeah. very cool, very cool. Speaking of Peter Falk, he is in this, he plays himself. Uh, he's, of course, the title character in the classic crime show Columbo, uh, which surprisingly holds up. I've seen a few episodes, and I'm like, this is still really good. That's oh, a good show. Yeah. He's in The Great Race, he's in Murder, Inc., uh, Princess Bride. Um, he's great in this. He's he's so much fun. What a voice. <laughs> I was very taken aback when his voiceover first happened, because we <laughs> went from a poetic German mm-hmm. to his... Still like a noir movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was like, whoa, whoa, where am I? What's happening? <laughs> it was crazy. No, but it's good. Playing the love interest and trapeze artist Marion is Solveig Domaden. Uh, this is her first movie. She did go on to be in the sequel. She co-wrote and starred in a another sci-fi that Vim Vendors did as well in the 90s called Until the End of the World. Um, oh, yeah, that's that's a incredible... Like, if that's, that's a long film. I think that film goes for four and a half hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> but it's, um, it's, it's astounding. That's maybe my second favourite of Vim Vendors mm. films after okay. this one. And it's shot... A lot of it is shot in Australia. Like, it takes place in Australia. Yeah. Um, Sam Neill's in it. Wow, there's several different versions ranging from 158 to 287 minutes. Wow! Yeah, so it was recently um, got a full restoration and director's cut. Could spend hours on that film, literally. I could spend four. It's incredible, yeah. And then finally, legendary German actor Kurt Boyce is in this as uh, the old man poet Homer. 
Uh, he's of course in Casablanca. Um, he's in Court. He did some Broadway. He like he was acting for eighty two something years. He started working in like nineteen oh seven and then acted right up until eighty nine. So he acted through many big world events, mm. which makes his presence in this so significant, I suppose, as the character that he that he does portray. I I, I like as you mentioned earlier when he's sitting in a couch in a field mm. and it's just empty wilderness. But you can see in his mind's eye what it once was. Mm. And it's like, ooh. Yeah. So it has uh, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, which means one critic gave it a negative score, I guess. Uh, the audience score is 93%, um, 8 out of 10 on IMDb, average rating of uh, 4.2 out of 5 on Letterboxd as well. Uh, it's on a bunch of best films of the 1980s lists. Uh, it's considered one of the best German films of all time, mm. uh, one of the best poetic movies of all time it cost 5 million dm Deutsche which Marks. is r- roughly under 3 million us uh, in today's money i'm not sure how much that would have been back then we could guess how much it made <laughs> if you want to yeah uh, i'm interested but i have literally no idea how how well this does cuz cuz obviously it's a great film but did it distribute well? Did did people go out and see it? I'm gonna go eight point five. Eight point five. I I have no idea. I I'm terrible with with budgets. Um, I don't know. Did it make double? Well, so let's say double. Uh, well, it made somewhere in between three point two and four million, ah, which is still pretty good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, who? I I don't really care. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Look at its legacy. You know, how do you qu- how do you quantify its legacy? How do you quantify its Im- impact? Well, that's the thing. I w- I would hope that it would do well. Yeah. Uh, there is one tagline. According to IMDb, it is there are angels on the streets of Berlin. That's the tagline, which is just kind of the premise. So you know, yeah, sounds like a David Bowie song. Yeah, that- <laughs> yeah that's true. That's that true. A good point. <laughs> We're not going to spend too much time on the synopsis itself. We're just going to kind of talk about the various plot points and characters um, that go on throughout this. Mm. As mentioned, the first kind of hour of the film is just the angels watching, observing various people around the city. Was there any standout moments uh, in this sequence for you, Zach? Uh, Yeah. Uh, My favourite moments were the angels when they were confronting people with grief. As I mentioned earlier, the guy jumping... And the angel's reaction to that. But also uh, the angel confronting the guy who had an accident, who was dying. I thought that was well done. Where the angel just sort of comforts the dying man by uh, allowing him to... Was it sing poetry? Or just sort of like calm his mind as he's passing away. And the sort of uh, the satisfaction the angel once he was comforted, just moving on, you know. There's other other people out there, mm. but I've I've helped this one comforting him as he passes. I thought that was quite good. Uh, I like that. Well, I, yeah, I I quite I liked the moments when when they sort of touched people. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, they sort of made their presence felt in a in a way. Mm. I really like the library sequences. Like there's the the sense of space in in that location makes itself felt. Yeah, the f- the filming in those scenes is very well done. Yeah, just the the idea of a library 
um, and such a big library and what it represents, I suppose, and that it has this quite like place for reflection and creation and knowledge and things like that. But also different people. Exactly. You've got the whole spectrum because we have the kids, they're studying for their tests or whatever. And I like the. Can the kids see the angels, or do they? Yeah, yeah, it's hinted at that they can. Yeah, which is which is quite funny, you know, that you know these kids can just uh, pop up and they're like, "Oh, there's an angel there." Anyway, back to back to doing my schoolwork, you know, <laughs> which I think, I, yeah, that really sort of touches upon something quite magical, I guess, about the state of childhood that that you are so much more open to these experiences and. Particularly then that being mirrored, um, as we kind of touched on earlier, when when the angel chooses to be human and awakens in the human world and becomes so enamored with the world around him in this kind of mm. childlike way. So it really, yeah, definitely makes sense that the angels, that the that children can see angels. Mm. Yeah, um, the library stuff, kind of circling back to that as well, there was one moment... Mm. Uh, I think it was this like three minute long sequence where this quite angelic, not menacing, but it had some dark undertones, this soundtrack kind of plays. And that was, and that was amazing. And then that kind of comes in as well with this incredible shot of the two angels ascending on like different levels in the library. One's kind of at this point in the staircase looking over the other. And that shot was just amazing. Yeah. I liked the close-up to panning shots they did in there. I don't know how they filmed it. Probably, you know, with a crane and other things, but it was really well done. It was the last shot of the library where the library's closed and you've just got the cleaning lady in there, but all these angels are, are still sort of there, you know, resting, waiting for people to return, and it just sort of pans through them normally like it normally does but then it starts to zoom out and you just see this large open empty library i thought it was good yeah Yeah. that was good and there's one other moment that i did want to bring up in the first half of the film on the train where there is a guy who's having quite dark thoughts Yeah. yeah and then the angel comes and like sits next to him and uh reassures him and then like his you know his thoughts get more positive that that was a, yeah. a great sequence. Uh, well, I like how it works. They're not like changing their mind. They're just sort of persuading them to look at it from a different sort of perspective. You know. Sure. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, I can I can change my life around. You know, I might be in a bad spot now, but I can do this. Like, they don't force people. Because if they did, he might have stopped that guy from jumping. You know. Mm. They don't. They can't change anything, I suppose. Yeah, they can't. They can't change anything, but they can try and help a little bit. That scene where the guy jumps, because you're you're not really sure what's happening. You can hear yeah. his thoughts, and he's like, "Red socks and black shoes. I'm gonna look like an idiot or something like that." Mm. And then, um, and then, yeah, he just jumps off this massive building, uh, which was yeah, yeah, quite a quite a shocking sequence. Quite well done. I think yeah, I think because it was so shocking, it really stood out with me. That's mm, why. For sure. That's why I brought it up. It was just one of those ones that I I went to bed thinking about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it I think it's quite significant that they included something like that. Yeah. Um, I like I like the um when he's in the circus, one of the the guys says, Oh, an angel's passing by. And that. he's like, Huh? 
what? I wrote huh? that as well. That was the only yeah. quote I really wrote down. Yeah, because the trapeze artist is walking past and she's dressed up as an angel. And yeah, one of the guys is like, an angel walks past and um, and Damiel's like, what? Hang on, what's <laughs> what? happening Oh here? no, I'm visible. Oh, oh, wait, they're talking about, oh. That was very good. Cheeky little bit of humour. <laughs> yeah, which, uh, you know, it's it's beautiful imagery that she's dressed as, as an angel and becomes almost like his like angelic presence. After he sees her at the circus, you know, he starts, like, watching her more closely and stuff. And mm. there is some stuff in there where, like, he's in the room and she's getting undressed. And you're like, eh, this creepy angel pervin on everyone. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's not human at that point, so. It's interesting that they chose there to be one kind of love interest that persuades him. Not persuades him, that, like, is a big factor in him becoming human. It's not just like mm. humanity as a whole. They take that and then they put it in mm. the form of one person. Yeah. I feel I feel like that's like what maybe sparks this interest in him. But I, I would still say that he has these, you know, desires to become human through all of the other little things that he's observed. And in that conversation with Peter Falk just before the transformation, when Peter Falk kind of is like, you know, what about drinking a cup of coffee and rubbing your hands together and making a drawing? Mm. And it's like, you know, there's these, these are the things finally that kind of push him over the edge. It's these the little moments. And, and, and then, you know, when he is a human and he's exploring the world around him and finding out all of this stuff, it's um like, I feel like that's, that's all of these things, all of the things combined, but you're right. The, the love interest is, is the main one probably. Yeah. And maybe that maybe that's what this film is, you know, trying to say that 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 love is the most important emotion. I don't know. Yeah. It's 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 very interesting to me how that sort of works cuz they talk about how they were there before any of it. Sure. Before any of this existed. So they've been around like millions of years, right? Something like that. Yeah. So they've been around a long time, right? So so this guy deciding to be human now all mm. of a sudden, you know, is I guess it's not all of a sudden, but you know, it's it's very I don't know if importance the right word. Significant. Significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if he's been around so long, like going from that to a mortal being. Now, uh, I I don't know. And these are the things that get me curious about universes like that because I'm a big fan of the universe behind the story. It's like what what are these angelic beings? Do do they actually have some sort of purpose for collecting all these things? One of the questions I have is if they turn into a human, do they just die? Yes. Yeah, I guess they would. Yeah, yeah. They do. They can't go back. That's what makes part of it like such a big big decision. But what happens if they run out of angels? If like all the angels are now humans, <laughs> what happens then? <laughs> yeah, I, I, do they make more angels? Do they make new angels? Yeah. Yeah, it's it, well those are those are the things, the questions we don't know. It's like how many angels are there, you know? Mm. What are the angels? You know, can can they make more angels? But I think that's that's what makes it that's what makes it so fascinating to think about from a human standpoint, as we don't know where, how many, like, you know, if we were to transpose this to real life, you know, we don't know how many angels, you know, maybe there are little, you know, soon to be Peter Fox wandering around the, mm. 
I hope you're enjoying the podcast, angels. You know, yeah. I'm sure you're listening out there. You Write know? down your favorite <laughs> quote in your little notebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was interesting. Out of the blue, the sort of like acknowledging that the angel's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Peter Falk does that. Yeah, that was great. I like that he repeats it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that this is like a spiel that he does to all the angels. <laughs> yeah, he's like... yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, is he a con man? You know, is he trying to con the angels in? I'm not. Yeah. It, it, it was very funny <laughs> to me. That reveal in... as well, because yeah, um, the story behind Peter Fork is he's in Berlin to film a World War Two movie, mm. and he's there on set. He convinces the angels to to turn human and then it's revealed uh, once our main character is human he's like uh, how did you know i was there peter fork and peter fork's like well because i'm an angel as well that, that was a great reveal and i love the idea that an actor playing himself is like mm, he's also mm. an angel now yeah it further kind of creates that ambiguous space between fiction and reality and yeah it's a great choice i thought it was very clever because early on we see him um sketching stage hands <laughs> yeah and extras and stuff yeah yes and like he's obsessed about his hat yeah that was very funny <laughs> and so he's this unusual character but you don't fully understand why till later it's because he was an angel and he's obsessed yeah. about these small details and other things and people absolutely it's so funny because he's also very sassy you know yeah. he's, he's, <laughs> he's like ah, uh, oh, what a great nostril oh this hat this hat sucks you know it's like <laughs> what's the- he doesn't sound he doesn't sound like the other angels you it's know? the moment when this kid comes up and tries to like pitch a movie to him about how there's like two hitlers or something and he's like that seems a bit far-fetched kid <laughs> <laughs> angels yeah he's definitely my favorite angel or <laughs> uh, ex-angel mm. there's some good stuff with the trapeze artist as well circling back to her mm. is it once he becomes human i think it's actually just before he becomes human we see her whole trapeze act and wow mm. yeah. wow it's good yeah it's before it's before that i think it's when when he leads his compatriot angel to the mm. to the circus quite significantly you know the the circus is shutting down and you know that's one of the sort of narrative points is that the circus is shutting down and it's almost like this well everyone in the circus but the trapeze artist then has to kind of reckon with getting back out into the real world Mm. um after spending so long as an angel flying around the air of the tent you know i i think i think that's a really beautiful parallel I like the circus, the dynamic she has with the other circus performers, that sort of, like, family sort of thing, because they've been doing it for years, but then they all go off on their own different directions Mm -hmm. as, you know, the circus breaks up. So, he becomes human. I like how he's woken up by his metal chest plate (laughs) falling on him, his angel chest plate or whatever. It falls in him and wakes him up. Yeah, wait, so was that his chest plate yeah that was his armor <laughs> it, like sort of in the way that um you know those shots of the angel sitting on the big statue yeah of the angel that is is their garb yeah they have uh, we can see in those scenes they have wings mm-hmm. but the wings fade as you get closer to them sort of thing which makes me uh, enjoy that scene where they talk about the armor and how he got ripped off <laughs> when he sold his armor. Yeah, he goes to... It's one of the first things he does. Yeah. He goes to sell his armor at a pawn shop 
to get uh, like his seventh doctor outfit. Yeah. <laughs> and then he shows up and talks to Peter Falk. And Peter Falk's like, yeah, you, you kind of got ripped off yeah. on that one. <laughs> ah, but that happens. You know, you'll get ripped off. But that's very funny that, that, that these angels are like, well, I'm human now. I uh, guess I don't need this armor. Uh, hey, human, you want this, <laughs> this whole armor? That's very funny. He has his first coffee. That was a great moment. He learns out all the all the colours. He asks this guy on the street, Hey, what colour is this? What a cool dude. Can we give a shout out to that guy who was just like, Yeah, I'm going to stand here and tell this random dude with blood pouring out his head <laughs> the colours of this wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They give him some money for, for some coffee. What a guy. What a fella. <laughs> and um, the movie all wraps up after the final show at the circus. Uh... They go to a Nick Cave concert and the angel and and Marion, they've kind of like missed each other at heaps of opportunities. And finally at this Mm. concert of Nick Cave and the bad scenes, Mm. they are able to finally meet at the bar. Well, it's a one-sided conversation because she sort of talks with him. Yeah, that lost me a little bit. I liked a lot of it and then some of it was a bit too cryptic maybe i don't know it lost me a little bit but that's just me i think i i thought i thought it was really lovely i mean that's you know the culmination of the film it's these two beings drawn towards each other by some extra real source the the it's it's poetry it's poetry yeah yeah i i loved it but i wanted to touch on the because that's sort of that is the ending but then there's the ending after the ending which is that they sort of it shows a little bit of their life afterwards and that he's helping her with the trapeze you know exercises and um i thought that was really sweet i liked that yeah that was great the visual as well of the angel watching them and he's in black and white but the rest of the frame yeah. is all in color that was yeah that was a great image Oh, yeah, that was very well done. That was very well done. Yeah, that's sort of like half, like he's in black and white, but there, it's it's very interesting. And then the movie ends with a little bit more of the old man poet, um, who we haven't really talked too much about. He's just kind of a presence in the movie. He doesn't really have a story, but all his stuff was great. All his stuff was excellent. Yeah, and the fact that his name was Homer. Mm, classic. Yeah, classic poet name. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, uh... Yeah, I thought that was that was a nice touch. Yeah. Nice detail. And then it ends with To Be Continued. Mm. I wonder if the To Be Continued was an artistic choice or if the sequel was already planned. <laughs> because I'm not sure. I don't know. Um... I, I interpreted it as an artistic choice, mm. but I didn't know there was a sequel, so yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyway, that is uh, Wings of Desire. I don't think we should rate this an oldie or a goodie. I think... Well, but this is Ben's favourite part of the show. Ben loves the binary rating system of (laughs) is it the worst movie of all time or is it the best movie of all time? Don't you, Ben? You love that. Yeah, I I love that dichotomy Um, so much. That's my favourite part. This is why I come back to this podcast. Yeah, Yeah, it's the rating system. That's the whole reason you came here was because of the binary rating system. That's absolutely... Absolutely right. Um, I think it's an oldie and a goodie. Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, because I don't, I don't say, I don't think that the word oldie uh, has the connotations that your podcast title gives. No, it. but the saying is oldie but a goodie, and it's our gimmick. 
So yeah. yes, it's a well, gimmick. Anyway, I think it's a goodie. I think it's a and a, a greaty even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll rate. I'll just I'll give it good. It was a fun, fun watch. Look, I think uh, it's an oldie but a goodie. Just as just as Ben said. But uh, that's the whole point of this show is to find movies like this. Yes, that are the, the that are both good and old. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a metaphorical wooden chess plate. Falling from the heavens. Mm. That's my rating. <laughs> I'll take a, a bludgeoning by your own armor <laughs> for for two hundred. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about some sequels. In nineteen ninety three, there's the release of Far Away, So Close, which is the mm-hmm. uh, direct sequel. Everyone's back, but it does mainly focus on that second angel guy. Willem Dafoe's in it, so that's cool. Yeah. It won the grand jury prize at Cannes. Uh, there's some crime stuff in it, apparently. What is the general plot of that sequel, Ben? Yeah. Um, look, I think it, it does It does um, become a lot more reality-focused. It, quite significantly, um, I, it, it's set after the fall of the Berlin Wall, and so I think it's it's an interesting again just juxtaposition of the two films where the first one happened bef- just before and this one happens sort of ju- just a few years after. So he becomes human because he he sees this child uh, accidentally fall off a ledge uh, or a balcony and he like he's overcome by this desire to save her. Um, and so he turns human so that he can um, save her. There's some gangsters or smugglers or like arms dealers or something that that he is trying to track down um, and prevent. He becomes an alcoholic. Wow. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting because this, like you know, you were saying Zach that the first film doesn't really follow the kind of darker sides of humanity. This has him having so many of these low point experiences. That sounds like exactly the sort of sequel I'd be looking for in this sort of movie. So there you go. Yeah, it's got some pretty good ratings. It's surprisingly really, really like I yeah I was I thought that it would be trash, money grabbing. <laughs> like it could, well, not money grabbing, but it just it could never live up to the original. And I don't think it does entirely, but I think it is really 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 good. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Yeah, so and it also does answer some questions about whether you can go back or not oh, okay. to being an angel. Mm. I don't think it was hugely well received, but I I was surprised by how successful it was at being a sequel, I suppose, and being a it was it's a, I think it's a really good film. I, I yeah. What probably isn't a good film is 1998 City of Angels, the American remake, which strips it right back. This is just a regular rom-drama where Nicolas Cage is an angel and Meg Ryan is a doctor or something (laughs) and they fall in love and honestly, who cares? Uh, (laughs) Well, it is Nicolas Cage though, so part of me is like, maybe... Yeah. I'm an angel. I'm here. <laughs> I used to be an angel and now I love you. Wow. Ah. Did we just get Nick Cage on the podcast all of a sudden? Where did he come from? That's crazy. The sky. <laughs> I came from heaven. I'm an angel. <laughs> <laughs> what don't you understand? That was fantastic. No, that's how I, I feel like I've already watched the movie already, and therefore don't need to watch it. So I won't. Yeah, I watched the trailer just before we started recording, and no, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks like it's it's sort of it's missing the whole point and turning it into a big like love story <laughs> romance thing. It looks like it misses the point. Hmm. Great. Next segment. 
It is time for raving reviews. It's the part of the show where I go to the one place with good reviews, Rotten Tomatoes, to the only people that matter, the audience, not the (laughs) critics, because the critics are wrong. And I get what they felt. Their feelings, I observe, are we are like <laughs> angels observing the the masses and their emotions <laughs> of the streets of Rotten Tomatoes mm. and their feelings. Not all of them are good, not all of them are bad, but I can guarantee that they are mostly wrong. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> but it's got like 92%, so surely... <laughs> surely there wouldn't just be people who missed the whole point. Uh, um, here we go. never happened in the audience score. This time I'm breaking the rules, though. Oh, no. And I've grabbed one review <laughs> from the critics. Oh, mm. no. So there we oh, go. no. Because it's two of you, you guys are going to be guessing the score. Whoever gets the most points wins. It's easy. Anyway, Ben, you've played this game before, right? I have. So you you know all the rules and you don't need an explanation. Well, um, maybe just a refresher. For example, is it are we going on who's closest or are we going on you get a point only if you get it right? I'll allow you to decide. What do you want? Let's do closest. Oh, closest. Because we normally don't do closest. So I like closest, though. Closest is fun. So the first review, obviously a critic review. So it must be incorrect. Uh, from <laughs> Janet Maslin. From the New York Times. Classic Janet Maslin. Uh, she says, original at first, Wings of Desire is, in the end, damagingly overrated. Whoa. Damagingly? Oh, sorry, not overrated. Overloaded. Uh, overloaded. How is that a bad thing? It's got too many things to think about. <laughs> that's not a good enough criticism unless you're talking about a Spider-Man movie with five villains. Then that's overloaded. <laughs> I don't know. This is a critic... Critics know what they're talking about, so I'm told. And uh, they're from the New York Times. They can't be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on. Isn't it, If it's a critic review, it's not out of five, is it? It's a... Oh, we do have an out of five. We do have an oh, out of five. Oh, there is an out of five. Okay, because I thought it was just like rotten or fresh. Yeah, that's usually how they're divided, but they, I think they have a separate score that they can also give it. Okay. okay. Um, I think, I think this person rated it out of five, a 2.5. I am going to go for a two out of five. Ah, well, Ben is the closest because it's a 2.5. Wow. The closest, more like he guessed it correctly. Exactly, yes. (laughs) So there you go. There you go. That's your one critic. I'm never doing a critic score again because that one sucked. Instead, we go back to observing the people in their natural environment, such as Matty, who says, over 26 years later, this film is still magical. And beautiful, human, brilliant, a must-see. I'm going to guess 4.5 out of 5. I think, I think 5 out of I th- 5. out of five. I think that review screams 5 out of 5. Mm-mm. Well, you were right. It is 5 out of 5. Oh, yeah. Yes. Aha. So Haytham says, This movie is my candidate for the most boring movie I've ever seen. Yeah, 5 out of 5. No, um, <clears throat> I think I'm going to go 1. One out of five. It's pro- although it's probably 0.5, but I, I think I'm going to go one. You got to go one. I think okay. I think it's a mistake for you to do that, Ben, because I'm going to go zero point five, and that's the lowest ah, you rating. You got to go zero point five, yeah. which is the lowest you can go, and is correct. Yeah. Zero point five. Yeah, I, th- I I was thinking it was that. 
Yeah, you were try you're trying to bring the best out in Hayden, yeah. you know? You were you were trying to help him out. But unfortunately, you can't go pat them on the back and influence them to be not bad at reviewing. <laughs> um, Brendan says, a great achievement, yet still a snooze. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Divisive. The duality of yeah. film watchers. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess maybe three. I'll go three. I was going to say three as well. Can I say three? Can I say the same Oh, you absolutely can. There's no rules against it. Okay, I'm going to say three. But by doing so and going by the closest rule, you would both guaranteed get a point. That's... uh, (laughs) Oh... Yeah. Nah, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go three. You got to go three? Well, you're both the closest. (laughs) Fun fact. But it's two out of five. It's two out of five. Oh, wow. We're both close. Yeah, that's all right. We've still got a point. Yeah. Maybe you'll understand Caesar, who says, Couldn't stand it at all. Black and white, French and German, poetry fucking, dairy piece of artsy fartsy bullshit. Wow. Fuck this movie and everybody that thinks it's it's so awesome. Wow. Okay, Caesar. Is, this is a South Park character. <laughs> this is not a human being. No wonder they stabbed you in the Senate. Oh, um, got him. I think this guy gave it a half. Yeah, half a star? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. If I also go half a star, we're both guaranteed a point. So I'm going half a star. Yeah. There's no way that it's not half a star. So. Oh, unless this is a double bluff and he was being... And oh. this, this guy was being like... Uh, you know, writing a parody mm. review. That is true. But it was 0.5 hey. out of 5, very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he liked the film very much. <laughs> what well, gives you that idea? Tim says, the divine meditation. Oh, I, oh yeah. That's it? Okay. I'll go 4 out of 5. Oh, I was going to go 4 out of 5. Well, you're allowed to go 4 out of 5. In fact, it's... It's, it's actually optimal at this point because yeah. if you just tie with Sandro for the rest of for the rest of the game, you will win. You okay, alright, four out of five. <laughs> it's five out of five. You both get a point. <laughs> Yay, we're close. <laughs> to those playing along at home, Ben's on five points and I'm on four points. <laughs> Whoa, it's a close one, and we're at the final review, so you know what that means. Double points, which will change nothing if we keep doing the tactic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but Ben has to guess first this time. Oh. Yeah, so Sandra can ch- can choose not to, so that there is a chance that he wins, because if he guesses the same as me, then he loses. Garissa. Who says, hard to rate. Story starts in the last 40 minutes. Didn't really understand what this movie was about. So perhaps a bit too deep for Eurissa. Too deep, five me. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go 2.5. Um, This is hard. I think I'll go three. I'll go three. Oh. But Ben might have this. I'm not sure. I'll go three. You could you could choose what Ben No, <laughs> no. But then if he does that, he loses. Yeah, exactly. So this is at least giving him a little chance of winning. A, a, a little, but a little too late, as it is 2.5. Oh. And Ben takes it with seven points, because that was his double. That was double points. I just, I had, I, I just felt an angel putting its hand on my shoulder and say 2.5. <laughs> <laughs> 2.5! They said 2.5! Thanks, Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> 
congratulations, Ben. I think it was on brand for you to win uh, this episode. Absolutely. Even though I think you've won every other time you've been on. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that's the episode. I do want to wrap it up very quickly with a review I found on Letterboxd uh, yes. by Zara. Imagine being such a simp you give up immortality. SMH. <laughs> Great review. Yeah. Well, that is that is the, that is the, the central conceit of the film. You're right. <laughs> That's the whole episode. Uh, ben, thank you for coming on once again. Do you have anything to plug? Any socials? Any of the stuffs? Yeah, uh, just the usual um, stuff. Uh, social media accounts. Um, Facebook.com slash Ben Volchok. Instagram, Ben Volchok. Um, Twitter, Songmouse. Um, I'm on TikTok, as as Zach mentioned. I love his TikTok. It's the best. Yeah, um, just follow follow on my uh, social media stuff. Um, see if I if I have anything coming up uh, anytime soon. Uh, and if you like this show, you can follow us on all the stuffs and things as well. We aren't on TikTok, but maybe next year. Who knows? I just can't be bothered. But <laughs> I, might, I might get more into TikTok. I've been having fun with it recently. Actually, over just the past week, because I remembered you had a, a TikTok, Ben. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll check out the TikTok. Uh, it's a good time. It's a fun one. You can help us out by leaving a review on iTunes. That helps get the show out in front of new people. You can tell a friend. And if you want more content, Patreon. Mm. Uh, upwards of two bonus episodes a month for five US dollars a month. That helps to keep the lights on in our multiple studios because we record mm. from our houses. Yes. If you're looking at this movie and go, hey, this movie looks too good. Don't worry. <laughs> we have terrible ones coming up on the Patreon. <laughs> oh, coming out on Wednesday. Yeah, you voted for it. Star Slammer. <laughs> I'm honestly worried to watch it, but we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Check that out. The link is in the episode description. Plus our whole series on the Evil Dead is up there now as well. If you want some good stuff. <laughs> so what are you, what are you uh, watching next week? Well, that is the question. Uh, Zach does have to pick. But here's the thing, Ben. Here's the thing. My voice my voice is a bit sore. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Do you want to read out the options, Ben? Oh, my. Sure. Oh, my. So, um, uh, we've just been sent the options that you're going to be uh, picking out of. Um, oh, wow. Cry Freedom, which is a biopic about South African anti-apartheid activist Steve Biko. Oh, yeah. Um, we have Death Wish 4, The Crackdown. <laughs> oh, no. Um, weirdly enough, also a biopic about South African anti-apartheid. Oh, wow. No. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, the uh, the Death, Death Wish series, Charles Bronson. Um, mm. Once again, a man has to become a vigilante to fight the drug trade. Not drugs. And then there's Hello Again. Hello. In which a plastic surgeon's wife chokes to death and a year later her occultist sister brings her back. Oh, I was not expecting that. Yep. Um, we have hiding out. Uh, witness disguises himself as a high school student to avoid being killed by the mob. Um, oh. Okay. What are the movie options this week? What the Jesus. There's a, there's a lot of these. Um, oh, my. Uh, less than zero. Uh, the three rich teen friends, one played by Rob Downey Jr., struggled with Ooh. drugs, um, which is a Brett Easton Ellis adaptation. Mm-hmm. Made in Heaven, Two Souls Who Cross Paths in Heaven, and then Attempt to Reconnect Once They Are Reborn on Earth. Sounds a lot like this film. Gross. (laughs) Angels, I hate those in movies. (laughs) Hey. We have Morning Patrol, which I've been meaning to watch um, for a while, actually, by Mm. Nikos Nikolaidis, a Greek sci-fi art film about a woman trying to cross a city's forbidden zone. That does look quite good, actually. Mm. Yeah, this director is like one of the kind of like unsung cult heroes 
all of his films are meant to be incredible and strange and astounding, but no one's seen them. Right. Anyway, um, next up we have Ruskies. Three patriotic adolescents confront their worst fear when they find a shipwrecked Russian sailor on a Florida beach. Oh my goodness. Oh my god, a Russian sailor? Yeah. Um, and the final of your choices is Steel Dawn. A post-World War Three swordsman defends a desert widow and her water treatment farm. It's basically a Mad Max clone, according to this commentary. What? So this is like, what, like 10 films that you're, yeah, you're choosing from? That's a lot. I'm, I would choose Morning Patrol, but you're not going to. I have a, <laughs> I have a feeling. What? what? <laughs> look, look, uh, look, Morning Patrol looks good. That look, that sounds great. All right, so I'm guessing that's a no. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm trying to break it to you slowly. <laughs> All right, I'm trying to be considerate uh-huh. of your feelings. I feel like that's a great movie, but I'm more tempted by either Death Witch Four, oh, the Crackdown. Uh-huh. Why? Or... <laughs> I get a Crackdown because it's the drug track. Okay, keep going. Uh, but also Steel Dawn oh, no. <laughs> sounds incredible oh, no. because post World War Three swordsman question mark question mark <laughs> Desert Widow. It does sound a lot like the Warrior and the Sorceress, which is one of our most popular episodes. <laughs> so I think I'm going to pick. Steel Dawn. Whoa. Only solely on the fact that I don't watch to want to watch Death Witch one, two, three. <laughs> hey, Death Witch one, I would I would still watch. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good time. Jeff Goldblum's uh, debut yeah. role. You see, the thing is, one day I might watch Death Witch just out of wishing to watch it. <laughs> but um, Steel Dawn, I would never unless I was doing this podcast. So I'm going to do that one. Well, next week, right back into the trash. <laughs> yeah, where we belong. And I have a feeling that we're going to be doing trash for the rest of the year. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this good <laughs> yeah. movie while we had it. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, uh, my, my pleasure, you're welcome. You could say, Ben, that you were an angel coming to us yeah. and influencing us yeah. towards a, a brighter future. Yeah. And then we immediately ignored you and are going to do Steel Door <laughs> next week. <laughs> Love it. All right, mm. we'll wrap it up with the best quote from Wings of Desire. Wine is a moment, I think it's right when the trapeze artist, uh, she's quite sad that the circus is shutting down. But she has this one line where she's like, I have a story and I'll go on having one. I thought that was just a nice line of dialogue, a nice sentiment, a nice quote. Uh, that's my favorite. How about you, Zach? Uh, my favorite is when he's drawing the uh, uh, extra. And uh, he it, like he talks about funny things like, oh, that's a nice nostril and everything. But my favorite line there is, this drawing stinks. It's <laughs> 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 like, this drawing sucks. That's good. <laughs> And Ben... Uh, to be continued. Oh. <laughs> Does that mean that we're doing the sequel at some point? Oh, special bonus episode. Or is it just an artistic choice? Is it an artistic yeah. choice? <laughs> <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.